All right, we're uh, here on Women's Basketball Unplugged, presented by Junior All-Star. We're here with the one and only Bob Corwin tonight. Uh, it is Wednesday night at 9 o'clock Eastern, so we're on the heels of uh, the commitment of Joyce Edwards. And uh, I'm going to let Bob introduce himself a little bit here. So here, Bob, welcome. Oh, hi, thank you, Kenny. Well, first of all, some people know who I am, others don't. Uh, I'm 76 years old. I've been involved in the game since the 1980s. I first met Kenny when he was a high school student, junior or senior, at Winter Park High School in Florida. And so I've known Kenny quite a long time, and I've been involved in the sport uh, at various levels. Uh, I've written uh, everything on from middle school stuff on up through the WNBA. Uh, I helped for a number of years with the Max Preps National Rankings, uh, you know, where I actually had an impact, say, as part of it. That don't at this time. Uh, the guy I worked with retired from doing it. Uh, and uh, so I've, I'm really pretty versed in a lot of different aspects of the game. I've covered the WNBA. Right now, my concentration has been primarily on the high school front. Uh, I help out uh, with pairings and bracketing in the very couple of the She Got Game events, the one in D.C., which is massive, the one in Atlanta. I also am on the bracketing committee for Nike TOC in Arizona, which is, to me, probably the premier uh, event around Christmas. Uh, if I remember, I checked on Max Preps, I think nine of the top 25 teams that Max Preps has ranked uh, will be in the event in the top section. And uh, those that are around them will also be quite strong. It's an amazing uh, field. Um, and I'd say so the other event, as I say, She Got Game DC, is one of the premier events of sort of the classic nature um, that's held in Northern Virginia at the St. James Center. And the, the talent there is pretty profound. And there's like a, over almost 200 teams involved in that. So helping to pair that was quite a chore. Uh, trying to put that all together. So yeah. those are some of the things that I've been doing. I'm probably, as I say, my involvement in the sport is probably more in the past than in the future. Being at my age, I'm not doing as much as I once have, but I'm still following it pretty closely on both the high school front primarily and secondarily the college front and the WNBA front. So, Kenny, what would you like to ask? Well, you know, again, I've been to a lot of those events, you know. I, you know what's weird is I was thinking about it. I mean, I remember so many years we would talk, and we'd be like, this great team really isn't going to play a national schedule. I think that's kind of behind us now, don't you? I, I, one of the really great things that's happened, and I have to give a lot of different people credit, uh, it, it, you know, that the good teams in the country more than ever I would say in the last two or three years in particular, are playing each other. Uh, sadly, not all do, but more of them than ever are playing schedules that I would say are close to national. You don't necessarily have to play everything, but some of the teams, like we, like I remember Max Preps, we had a team that uh, I think was a, that had the, the Hull Sisters, which was a very good team. Uh, they wound up playing in the uh, postseason event, which I guess would have been called Geico today, and it was Dick's in those days. Yeah. Uh, that it was on ESPN, and they won it, and they jumped all the way to one, and they 
I don't know if they played a game outside the state before that, but uh, they played good competition there, and then they beat two nationally ranked teams, and it was kind of a paralysis situation. They jumped all the way to one on that poll. Other, I think it was one of the years that there were split polls. What, what you see on the national high school front is some years there's like consensus as to who's the best. In other years, there's like four polls, Max Preps, Blue Star Media, uh, ESPNW, and the new one on the block is SB Live, uh, Scorebook Live, which I'm told is backed by Sports Illustrated. I'm told it's behind that operation. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think last year, I think Montford won two. I think Sierra Canyon won one. And Incarnate Word, which was actually a better team than I expected them to be, uh, they're coached by Dan Rolfes, who coaches the national U16 and will do the U17 team uh, next year as well. And they were people who played them told me that they were right up there with the best teams. And I wasn't disappointed to see that he got one of the awards last year. I thought it was a year for a mixed review that no one team was the it. And it's fine with me to see more than one team recognized at the top when that occurs. Gotcha. Well, and again, I think that, you know, there's, you know, again, I think, you know, 15 years ago, there was one one poll. It was USA Today, which, you USA know. USA Today, that's correct. They're, they stopped doing it, I think, three or four years ago. I mean, they, they told me, I mean, they just, I think they had budget cuts, and the gentleman who was doing it was laid off, and they put some other stuff. I think they still do football. But they stopped doing this one. Well, it used to be and, such a. It used to be such a big thing in print. Like people would go buy it, and if you're right. not if you're not going to go buy it, why? Yeah. So you know, it's 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 like the tail end of signing week. I, I was talking to a college coach this week. I think it's ironic how the better you are, the harder it is, and longer it takes to make a decision. We still have Sarah Strong and Jelani Cambridge uncommitted. Right, right now, like if you said. Who who has, in your opinion, the best signing class from what you've seen? I, I really haven't, to be honest with you, studied it. Yeah. I, I kind of wait for all the pieces to come through, and I'm not really into that. My joke, basically, I tell many people, and I'm not really joking about this, is it's sometimes better to lose the first round. <laughs> many of these kids, it's I, I, you need a scorecard watch, looking at TV games today. Like, gee, is this kid on this team? So many of these top players have changed teams. The portal is just, you know, like I, my joke is you haven't lived till you've been in the portal. I mean, it's the, so many players just keep changing schools. Some young ladies are now on their third team because yeah. of the COVID year. Uh, well, and, and they congratulate you. I'm sure. And, and I, you know, I asked some mid-majors when I, I did some traveling last year and I stopped off at a couple of mids. And they said they recruit heavily out of the portal. The people, I just want to say this out there, the, the people really suffered, I think, from the, the, the rise of the portal and the, the COVID year are the, what I call the L to two players. The yeah. one kid who's borderline. I mean, any player now as of today who does not have a D1 offer in hand is going to struggle to get one if they're a senior. That class, the ship has pretty much sailed. Why? Well, they get a D two offer or a juke, and and the way things are today, 
that's not the end of the world. I, I just happened to go online. There was one player in Mississippi uh, who I really liked coming out of high school who couldn't get a P5 look and really wanted one, went off to Duke for a year uh, in state, is now playing significant minutes at a Power 5 school in her second year. So well, you can make up the ground. Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting. I, you know, I follow it here in the, uh, Florida, and, I, you know, the starting center from Bethune-Cookman played in the NAI last year. You know, like, it, you know, it's like there's two chances to prove yourself. But I think even more so, you know, I see it at my level. If you don't have a D1 offer after your sophomore summer into your junior spring, you're probably not going to get one because there's so few days now that people have just decided who they're recruiting. And, and, they, and they're just like, com they're committed to who they're recruiting and committed to the portal. Um, more... Bothered me over the years. I, I remember this vividly. You know, you know, a few years ago, we used to have a September eval period. Yeah. And there was one young lady who was, who was kind of her coach. She was a Georgia kid. I won't mention the name, but she was a Georgia kid. And she was a good player, I thought. And she had a couple of lesser D1 offers, and she felt she deserved better. And I told her high school coach, wait. And I went up and down Coach's Row, and I said, what do you think of this kid? And the coaches all liked her. They said, what year is she? They said, well, she's a senior. They said, well, we're not interested. We got that class filled. Yeah. And I said to myself, if you like a kid, why not take them and maybe the next year they'll do something for you? Because not everybody, you know, is a home run the first year. And as it turned out, she waited. She wound up in the SEC and she wound up getting all something or other. I mean, she had a nice career in the SEC when mids were turning her down because she was the wrong class. I, mean, I think there's too much coaching out of the cookbook in terms of this recruiting. You see a good player, don't hesitate to grab. Yeah, because there's there's not that many there not met that many of them. If you really believe in them, you, it's time to it's time to act at all times. Um, and, and, you know, what's funny is you said, um, you know, like you may not get them the first time around. I always, I, there's players in, even in AAU as, as someone who's in the AAU, it's better to finish with them than start with them. Well, I, I don't even in my later years, I still am in touch with people involved in the college game. And some of them almost, not to say they wouldn't like to get the first shot at them, but that they recruit the kids and their attitude is, hey, I want them to know who I am and what we are, and if it doesn't work where they are, to consider us going forward. It is amazing the number of people that get, get them the second time around. And somebody involved with one of the majors told me, when you get them coming out of the portal, because they've already used their transfer window, they're a little bit more receptive to, you know, like, you know, taking the bumps in the road rather than pulling the plunger and cutting and running. Well, they're, I mean, they're stuck at that point unless they're going to sit or, you know, or graduate. But, you know, when you transfer schools, you know, it's it's harder to graduate because of the different requirements and such. So J Joyce Edwards commits to South Carolina today. The final three were LSU, Clemson, and South Carolina. I think I think it's interesting. You know, I think Joyce is really good. and But they have, you know, Chloe Kitts starting. They got Ashlyn Watkins on the bench. And now they have Joyce. And they'll all be there together next year. Started when when they got pow pow from Oregon, I said, 
know, they already have Raven Johnson, and they got Fulwiley coming in. You know, I said, is there enough balls to go around? But so far, to me, they're off to a great start, and they, they look, in some ways, they look better than last year. And, I, and, I agree uh, with that. So, uh, you know, I, it's hard to say that can you have too many players. At some point, the answer is probably yes. And, and I think any player, and I, I don't know who's listening to this, but any player needs to look at the roster of where they're going and say, how quickly do I want to play? If there's already all SEC or ACC type players still there with more time, you may want to say, hey, I may not play that much the first year, but if that's where your heart is, okay, but don't but don't get your expectations too much that you're going to come in and immediately start ahead of players that are already proven themselves. Yeah, it, I, thought, uh, I thought it was funny. Work without, like you think. Yeah, last year, they, South Carolina played Zaya Cook at point guard a lot, and I felt like Zaya Cook really wasn't a point guard, more of somebody who, you know, wanted to score the ball and attack. Yeah, but not not a true point guard, and now all of a sudden they have two point guards. And that's... I, I think that, to me, I mean, I looked at the box score of South Carolina's game against, I think it was against Maryland this weekend. Yeah. And I was like, I looked at the... I, I, I used to say that the way you play South Carolina is what I call pack and pray. You pack it in the, the paint and pray they miss on the outside. Because if Boston got the ball down low, you were done. Yeah. And then you had Saxton there cleaning up the rebounds. And then you had Cardosa coming in in relief, who's now there... You know, their main inside gun, pretty darn good. So, you know, this year, uh, the perimeter is dynamic. I mean, between the freshman, Full Wiley, uh, the two experienced, Raven Johnson shooting it better than uh, I remember. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, I was very high on her out of high school. You know, Pow Pow's a proven commodity. Uh, Bree Hall looks good. Uh, I mean, they just, they, they've got dynamic perimeter players. They have depth inside. They still have a, a super big and, Camilla Cardosa, you know, who is, you know, probably going to, you know, be the focal point there when she's been the backup the last few years. So I, mean, I, I said, you know, before the season, if I kind of transition a little over to the to the team thing on the college front, uh, people ask me, well, who do you think are the top teams in the country? I, I, it was hard not to say LSU wasn't the favorite because they had stockpiled additional talent and still had a lot of kids back. Uh, some people question whether the pieces would fit together, and that question, I think, is still unresolved at this point. And I think they'd have to say, hey, we've got some work in front of us. But also, I, I, I felt that South Carolina, even though they graduated a lot, had a lot of quality players behind those that left. And if Dawn could put it together, they could be very good. And, of course, the big question on Connecticut, as it's been for the last few years, can you keep Paige Becker's healthy? Yeah. Paige is one of the top players in the country, there's no doubt. But she's also been one of the most injured players in the country. And, you know, she spent, um, I guess this is her fourth year. And uh, if, if she plays this year, this would be two out of four that she would have actually gotten through most of it. It went healthy. I mean, she's right up there. And from what I've seen in their initial games, you know, she looks like she's one of the top players in the country. As does uh, the Edwards uh, player, you know, Zaleel Edwards, I think, the, uh, who's, who's out, just also looks very good. But, 
you know, it, it's I, I like them and, and a couple of teams that, 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 that yes, go ahead. Yeah, so so here's my question. So I watched South Carolina play. You know, Boston's the number one pick in the draft. I think she was rookie of the year in the WNBA. Like, is Cardoza better than her? I don't think we can say that uh, at this point because Aaliyah did it for so long. Uh, Camilla still has to prove that she can do it on a day-in and day-out basis. Also, Aaliyah has some range, yeah. which Camilla doesn't. Camilla's tall and agile right around the basket, but, you know, Boston can hurt you the follow-up. Yeah. I'm not sure this one uh, is of the same ilk. But you know, with the you know, with the size, it's just like she's such a she. You know, there's there's Griner, there's there's. Um... She's going to go. I mean, I'm, I look at the projection of the draft. You just want to kind of bounce. I'd, I'd like to just finish up on the college. But yeah. a couple of teams that I liked that I that I you know, that were not so high on the radar and moving up. Um, one would be UCLA and USC. Right. Those are two teams out west that I think people need to keep an eye on in terms of the, the picture. Obviously, don't count out Connecticut. Don't count out LSU. South Carolina has already moved to number one, which is what if I had a vote where I would have put them. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure that on the downside, I'm not sure that Iowa has enough. I mean, Caitlin Clark, I think, is a generational player, but... And the burden on her is going to be immense this year. I mean, they lost two quality players, you know, in Sonano uh, and the in the two guard uh, as well. So I mean, it, it's they don't have as much around her as they did last year. And uh, you know, I, I you know she's just awesome, but I just don't know if they can get it done as they did then. I mean, I, it, it's going to be a real burden on her shoulders. Uh, you know, I think some of the newcomers are going to have to step up uh, more so than uh, than they've shown so far. I mean, right now it's been a lot of Caitlin Clark, but uh, we'll see. You know, you... I, I think a couple of the other teams that are highly thought of are good teams, and I'm not sure they have all the pieces. Utah was ranked high yeah, in Indiana, and they've both taken hits, and they lost some kids. And you know, it doesn't take much to either make you better or make you worse. And uh, they're still good teams, but I'm not sure that they're final four teams at this point. Well, I think I think the problem is they're both worse than last year because they lost a little bit and they had great years last year. And you're kind of ranking them off last year, but you know they lost some stuff. What did you watch the UConn NC State game? Yes, I watched. Is I mean, what's you what's UConn's issue? Was this just one game and Sanaya Rivers went crazy, or is this like a? Yep. And when she kind of flopped at South Carolina, I was like, boy, I didn't look very good there. And she did okay last year, but now she's – some kids just don't figure it out right away. Uh, the question about Rivers going forward will be what you need to look for is how well does she shoot it from the perimeter. We know she's a great athlete. She can get to the rim. But if she can improve – and she knows it too. If she can get her to an acceptable level to shoot the three – the deep perimeter shot, then she's right there as an All-American and, and a top draft pick. But, you know, athletically, she's tall and way up the charts. But she didn't do very well her first year, better last year, and maybe she's ready to make the breakthrough. I felt 
for college, my, and I told other people this, I mean, A.C. Fudd was an awesome high school player, having a fine career in Connecticut. Um, Raven Johnson's been battling injuries or whatever, maybe now coming to Rome, South Carolina. I actually said if I had to draft a kid for college coming out of high school, it would have been Sanaya Rivers. But she didn't look, She didn't get it done the first well, year. And well, maybe she, we're she, getting was there. Now. she was there one year, and then Fegan was there too, and she kind of didn't want to wait in line, it seemed like. And then, you know, I think all accords that last year was a really tough year at NC State with, you know, they, they just didn't have the chemistry. And I think, you know, we all know Wes Moore's a really good coach, but if I have great respect for Wes. If, if, if the kids don't buy into what he's doing, he can only impact them so much. And yeah, I think, sure. yeah, and, you know, I mean, Diamond Johnson's out, Camille Hobby goes to Illinois, and then they come back on game one after losing, you know, two, two kids who could have been fourth, fifth-year players, and they beat UConn, you know. Can they defend? Is they don't have a rim protector. They're, they're relatively small. The, the players they were hoping would get it done in the middle are either injured or just haven't done it. Um, the Edwards kid is really undersized for that role. And they don't really, you know, Ice Brady is coming off of an injury. She's like a freshman. And, and she actually likes to play a little bit away from the basket. So they don't, they, they really miss the, the young lady, Jenna Al Alfie from Egypt, who I got to watch this summer. I think she was playing in one of the, like, the U-19s, and she was very impressive. And uh, yeah, playing for Egypt. And, and you know, and, and that was a big loss, you know, having not having her. She got and, hurt? Uh, she got hurt, Bob? Yes. Did she get hurt? Is that what happened to her? Yes, I think she's, she's some season-ending injury coming into the school year. I, I forget what it was. It, it was something in the leg. Uh, which she won't play this year. She's at Connecticut rehabbing. Okay. You, uh, we, you actually made a – we talked a few days ago, and you made uh, an interesting statement about Juju. You said if Juju came out this year, she might be the number one pick. We know she no, can't. I mean, in my opinion, there is only one number one pick at this point, and that's Kayla Clark. Okay. okay. I mean, Kayla, I just want to say this. To me, I mean, Kayla Clark was rated like maybe four – going in, coming out of, in the class, but yeah. the three people in front of her are all going to go in the top. They, you know, I think it's uh, Reese, Brink, and Beckers. So it's quite a, a grouping yeah. that were the top four. And, you know, Beckers obviously had the great freshman year, but has much more around her. Clark, people I know who go back, like me, back into the 80s, and go, to, go back almost to the time when the NCAA got involved in the sport in around 83, they feel Clark... Maybe, and I believe this myself, maybe somebody else might disagree, that she is the best combination of facilitator and scorer, scorer that there's been in the game. Wow. There's been better, there's like you can point to a Tarasi and there's other outstanding two guards from different eras. And I think you could talk about, you know, Super is kind of considered to be the benchmark amongst ones, but there's never been anybody who's put together the combination of these two. I yeah. mean, you know, she can, she'll get you 25 and she'll get you 10 assists. I mean, you, you find people like Sue would score 12 points, you know, and, and then maybe get you the assists. And Tarasi maybe get you the big numbers. And, and there are other great two guards. There's never been a point guard, a true point guard, who's been the WNBA MVP, by the way. Really? If you look at the MVPs, 
I, you know, like this year, I think Stewart got it, Asia Wilson and got it last year. But I think Tarasi, I consider a two guard. Yeah. She got it. Other than that, there's been no, no point guard. The best point guard this year is the maybe now injured Chelsea Gray from Vegas. Uh, she's out, and nobody's really saying. I can't seem to find out exactly what it is, uh, but you know she didn't play the end of it, and the, the, my sense is that she might be out until you know we'll see if she's able to play next season. You know, yeah. I don't know if it's an ACL or what. They, it's not been made clear. You know, uh, it was kind of kept under wraps. That, you know, that, you know as teams sometimes do, and there hasn't been a lot of tough discussion of it. But she's been the best point guard the last year or two. Before it, it was Chelsea, it was uh, Courtney Vandersloot, and before that it was probably Sue. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, know, well, what about Anescu? Anescu's a two to me. I mean, oh, really? She's a great shooter. I don't really see her as a point guard. Okay. I mean, she doesn't, she can play the position, but her, her best strength is probably on the wing. That's just how I see it. Clark, Clark's dynamic nature is, I mean, it's, what she does is just, Spellbinding. People think of her as being able to shoot the Stephen Curry threes from the logo, but that's just a, a portion of what she does. I mean, her penetrations, her passes, and she's a you know, she's also able to get you know eight or ten rebounds. Yeah, you know, she's like close to six feet tall. So I mean, she's she's got a dynamic nature to her. She runs the court. She has many gears. I mean, you, you can see her kind of amble up the court and she'll blow right by you. Who's, who's, uh, who's in line for the number one pick? Right now, oh, we don't know yet. Uh, the, the most balls going in to get it, I think, belong to Indiana. Yeah. Wow. But I think I think the lottery is in early, I think, you know, they dropped the ping pong balls will be dropped, I think, in early December it will be known. Okay. Uh, last year they did it in November, but I think given the suspense of this year's class. And, and as people say, we do not know for sure if any of these, yeah, any who's all coming these out. players have a fifth-year option. So we'll see who comes out and who doesn't. The, the Clark already, will depend on how they do this year, what the mindset is of the player as they approach the end of the season. Did Clark already say she's coming out or no? No, I, not everybody's keeping the cards close to the vest. I personally, my guess is Clark will come out. Uh, Beckers, I think will depend on how Connecticut does this year, and the others I'm not really sure about. Um, like Re- I heard, I heard Reese. Uh, I, actually, I hadn't heard much on Reese, but you know, obviously, she's already won a championship, so that's part of the whole deal. I think, I think a lot depends on, on what players envision, uh, you know, for the future. By the way, there's something which I don't mind saying that most people don't even believe: WNBA salaries are about to go up by. Maybe times three. Really? The, the, the oh yeah, this is known by the people in the league. It's kept very quiet for some reason because they're negotiating. It comes down to what's going on is this. I believe we have maybe two more years left that they have to play under the old CBA, where the salary cap is around a quarter of a, around two fifty per player, two and a quarter somewhere in there, uh, where, you know, per player. Um, those salaries are envisioned that are going to jump to maybe the lead players instead of getting 225 to 250 for a season, maybe getting in the sevens wow. or higher. The reason for this has to do with the the negotiation between it's the TV deal. 
ESPN is 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 dealing with a, a war to try to keep the W versus the streaming services are trying to get the contract. Okay. And the bidding has gone up. Uh, they look at the ratings, and the ratings for the WNBA this year have been very strong. And they've compared, I'm told, I'm not into this, but people are, told me, they compared to Major League Soccer, and they've gotten a very nice deal on the men's side, and they say that this will translate into a very much more advantageous deal. One of the reasons that there was resistance uh, to expansion, uh, you know, I guess the league is going to expand by eventually two teams, I guess one, not this year, but next, maybe two, is because the teams that were there are saying, hey, we don't want to split the pie any more than we have to. And so it's going to be like buying a WNBA franchise was kind of on the cheap in the old days. It's not going to be now because, you know, these teams are going to get some nice coin from these uh, streaming services or ESPN, whoever wins the contract or how it's doled out. It's it, it's all about TV money, which is often... You know, it often is. You well, know, we know we, we know that sports. from we know that from college sports, but also you could see if these players that are coming out clearly know when this number is going to hit, and th- maybe they they wait a year or two with their NIL or whatever they're doing in college. But you know, ultimately, as soon as that number, as soon as it gets to that big number, what's is, can they get a max contract as a rookie, or what is that? What, no, I mean the, the way it is. Well, every I don't know how the new CBA hasn't been constructed, but the way the current thing is. I think you have to play it maybe three years under the rookie deal. And the rookies, I, I don't think make, I'm not sure what the exact amount, it's it's not that much. And maybe it's, I think it may be under 70. Yeah. I'm not sure. But the rookie contracts are not, the, the, the those who have been in the league or on the max contracts are somewhere north of 200,000. Yeah, I, I knew that. Um, which is, and, I mean, it's come up a whole lot. Thing, one of the other inducements uh, somebody who's been following this much more closely than I am, one of the other inducements to get into the league, the sooner you get in, the sooner you get to those max contracts. Right. So in other words, if people like the, the aforementioned star college players stay back, they won't get to the big money, uh, but maybe a year later. So it's a question of they'll have to decide whether their NIL deal in college, if they have to leave that money there, is worth at the other end, you know, what they would would get by having another year as a pro player, because you know you have to serve so many years apprenticeship before you get the big money. Right. So you, that, if, you, you know, so they're a year away from that. So they they'd have to sit down with their you know people who advise them to see which way is better for them. Gotcha. So let's transition a little bit to the high school scene. I saw I saw the max preps ratings. I'm actually going to see a preseason game of top 20 teams tomorrow, um, which I don't think will be that good, but I could be wrong. I'm going to see the preseason Dr. Phillips Mount Bird game. But like, who are, who are you would say the, the contenders to win the high school national title, the Geico, things like that? Well,
Um, those kind of teams, to me, should not be competing on the same level of ranking as a school where the high school coach knows who's going to be playing for him four years from now because his kids are in a middle school program. Right. So, I mean, I just don't think, you know, I, I've said, I wrote an article on uh, a year ago, which was, which basically said there should be two separate rankings, one for state series federation schools that are not involved. And, and I would also include in that the affiliates that are not involved in reclassing. Yeah. I found out that the, there's more of that going on or capability of that than I even realized when I wrote the article. And so if you're a non-reclassing affiliate, uh, which, are, which are like a lot of private schools, South Carolina has a, uh, Asia Wilson played for an affiliate member, I think it was Heathwood Hall, or yeah. if I remember the name of it. And they, they South Carolina's affiliate in their you know, their rules specifically says reclassing is not allowed. Uh, some of the state's affiliates have it kind of up in the air where it's up to the school and they can do it or not do it. Uh, as they say in South Carolina, like TAPS in Texas, I read their rules recently, uh, they cannot do it. Some of these so state affiliates it, can do it. In boys, and, don't they do that on Max Preps? They have two separate polls? Yeah, the, the boys, and I don't know that much, but the, the boys have a poll which includes the various academy schools. I think IMG Monfer and I think uh, Lalu was in it from Indiana. They were they were in that one. Uh, Sunrise, you know, Sunrise Christian, Arizona Compass. And they, from what I've, I don't know, I'm not sure what is, what's going to be the final outcome, but they tended to steer clear of any teams that were involved in reclassing, even if they had no reclassed players at no 50 of players. Right. Uh, I personally feel, I, I've said this, I've come, I may actually write an article on this, and that is, I think there's three ways of doing high school rankings in terms of recognitions. One is having a, doing a poll where you're strictly involving schools which cannot reclass. In other words, they have external supervision, and the league rule is you cannot reclass. If the school can reclass, they wouldn't qualify, okay? My saying is no external supervision, no recognition, okay? That's one way of doing it. The second way of doing this is kind of what I did when I was involved in the national rankings, which was explore each case individually. I would check to see if the player had reclassed, even if there was reclassing going on around them. Right. And I knew the kid, due to all my contacts in the sport, I knew the kid hadn't reclassed. I, I had no problem seeing her getting recognition as an All-American. Uh, but it, but in fairness to people who don't, a lot of the writers don't have the time or resources to really find all this out. And they don't know who's telling them the truth and who isn't. Yeah, the coaches sometimes miss the truth. Somebody who doesn't want to get involved in the reclassing gig, but I would say plan A, no external supervision, no recognition, would keep you clear of that. And it might cause certain controversies because I know last year one player, I won't mention who, who I would have probably had in an, in a ranking didn't get in because that school reclasses. Right. And so they weren't, the player wasn't recognized. The third way that I think you can do this, and I, 
And I said, e any of the three ways are fine, but I just don't think you can mix and match. The third way is just put everyone in there. In other words, if they're a legitimate school, recognized as such by the NCAA, and whether they, whatever class they're in, you just consider them that. And if they're good enough, you recognize them. And if they're not, you don't. You don't worry about whether they reclass, they didn't reclass. You just count the players. Somebody who advocates that is saying that many of the player parents are reclassing their kids in middle school so that they can get the extra year of age and then they're a year older when they're being recruited in high school. And so consequently, some people say that's the way some people are getting around it as opposed to reclassing them actually in high school. So under that plan, everybody gets included. You don't worry. You don't have to do any investigation. They're good enough. You put them down. They're not. They're not. The way I did it, the middle plan takes a lot of investigation, a lot of contacts. And the other one is also kind of simple. They don't have external supervision. If they're in a league where they are, for example, the WCAC covers three different states in Virginia. That's the Catholic League. Right. Their league doesn't allow reclassing. So it doesn't matter what anybody's individual policy is from which of the states they're in. I know the D.C. schools are all federation. Uh, the Maryland people are approved non-members, but the Virginia thing is a little more nebulous. And But the schools of the WCAC cannot reclass, so they would all count as having that external supervision. So, so that being said, you know, I mean, obviously these tournaments also have a lot of rules about who can play each other and so forth. But, like, like so say we're counting everybody who doesn't reclass, right? Like the, okay. the non-reclassers. You know, there's polls out there. You said you're not involved in max reps anymore, so it's a little bit more just like sort of your own opinion. Who do you think the top handful of teams in the country are? Well, I mean, I, I look at it. If, if you if you want to put the, the, the schools like Montford and IMG, and I kind of consider Lehigh up in New York like a Montford and an IMG because they don't really play in a state series. They're kind of like a class of one. And so if you put those kind of people in there – I've said from last year on, and so far every poll, and some of them don't consult me, um, I've said Luhai with all the players they've got back, they've got maybe seven power five kids are pretty close to it, and they're heavy to seniors. And so I'd say that's who, everybody's starting them at one, and that's who I would have started at one. Mm -hmm. I have not seen ESPN has yet to come out, uh, scorebook, Blue Star, and the Max Preps all have them at one. And pretty much everybody has, I think everybody has at a one to one California yeah, two. and two. And they've done a little stockpiling. They've added in Grace Knox coming off injury, a quality player out of Nevada. Uh, they <laughs> also added in one or two other players. Uh, and so they're, yeah, and they, you know, they, playing a very tough schedule, as is uh, Luhai. And uh, I, I think everybody has them of the ones that have been posted at two. I think three, it, here it gets a little more nebulous. Uh, and I think, one of the, I think the fact that, that Edward has cohesion is another reason why they, they sort of get the, the nod in two well, plus their schedule. They're also, get, they're also getting it because they're from California and it's a big state. And they... So, and I, I, but they also are playing a tremendous schedule, and they're playing 
a lot of places and they're playing a lot of people. They're not in Nike POC because of exam conflicts, but they've really made it up. I've seen, I mean, they're in a lot of things and they're, they, they're, they're playing a national level schedule. The third, three on the, most of these polls appears to be Montford. The plus side is they have a lot of talent. The downside is there's a lot of new kids there with a new coach and they've got a tough schedule and you know, they're playing a lot of people. And no guarantee that they're going to, to do as well as they would hope, given the, the newness. Uh, I mean, so much to them is going to be dependent on the transfer, Jelani Cambridge, who is one of the preseason player of the year candidates, I think. Uh, but, you know, if if she holds up well, then they'll probably be right there. If, it may be if she's a little less than maybe with some would hope. They, you know, are they going to be able to make up the slack? They've got a lot of youth around there in the back. Uh, and so there's some question there. A, a team that's not being ranked as high on these polls that I think is very dangerous is IMG. Yeah. Similar situation to Montford with a new coach. Uh, the difference is they're a little heavy at the seniors. A lot of the kids they've brought in are older, but again, they have to get it together. And chemistry, as LSU showed, when you have new players, doesn't sometimes show up the first day. So oh, I think it's you know, I think it's that. tough because. You know, I mean, it, you know, at those places, you know, the expectation is like undefeated national championship, Geico, all that stuff. So, like, anything less than that is yeah, is really tough. Yeah, and and again, like by the way, that's that's players one through eight, right? Like, because the degree of separation at some of those places one through eight isn't that that great. So, but somebody has to play. I think some of the other teams that I I would say are are in the hunt to start. I think you have to look at the Sierra Canyon with the transfer of uh, Jersey Robinson from Arizona out to California. Uh, I think that's a huge look at you. You replaced the National Player of the Year in Juju Watkins with the top, probably the top freshman in the country, or I think Max Krebs had her as co-freshman. Uh, that's pretty, not many people can pull that off. No, that's right. So, uh, and, they, and they still have plenty around her. So I think they have to be in the mix. I have a great deal of respect for the other team in California is Archbishop Mitty. Yeah. Um, you know, they have two of the, the top players, uh, uh, Morgan Shelley, Connecticut recruit, uh, McKenna, I never can say the last name, Wachowsko. Morgan, uh, Morgan W., yeah. Yeah, I mean, she um, she was uh, they got co-freshman of the year with Jersey. And played on the USA and, team. Uh, interestingly, Jersey and her were on the National 16U team that won the Americas, and they were the two kids off of the USA team who made the all-tournament team. Oh, wow. So, uh, uh, but, I mean, they, I think they're in the hunt. Um, Sidwell Friends is an interesting team to, to look at. They still have a lot back with, uh, with the, you know, Jackson and with, uh, you know, Kendall Dudley, the coach's daughter. Uh, the, the center who they had, I can never say the name, uh, Sazanko or whatever. I mean, she's she blew up this summer and is highly highly regarded uh, now. Yeah, they they lost Leah Harmon. Uh, they lost um, uh, you know the uh, you know, Jaden Donovan who was off at Duke. I mean, that's an awful big chunk to lose. Sometimes less is more, but I'm not sure it's the same thing. That 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 isn't that that, that still isn't a little bit less. Time will tell. What what and, so uh, like this. The season's starting in a lot of places here. Yes. What are the first two or three games that you're like, hey, these these really matter. These are really important games. Well, you've got you've got it's an interesting. I mean, 
they're already, Texas has already had some big games. Duncanville, who's ranked, or has been ranked uh, in like the top 20-ish, already took a hit out in Texas. I think they're the first casualty of any ranked team to go down. Uh, they have a, a fleet of good players. I don't think they have a, a perhaps a power, short block, power five, but they have like seven mid-majors and they lost to a nice Texas team called Summer Creek out of the Houston area. Uh, Texas plays these early tournaments in November where you play as many as five games over a weekend. Wow. And it goes on for November. The, the first big games coming up at Thanksgiving that are huge that I'm keeping an eye on, uh, you've got several games involving the Texas teams and the California teams. Sierra Canyon and Etiwanda a journeying to the heart was at the hoop fest at Duncanville High School after Thanksgiving, uh, and that's that's going to be uh, you know a quality event there. Uh, we'll also get to see. I'm actually going to be at I think it's the Insider Exposure event at Bowles in Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh, Montford and IMG, I believe, are in there along with I think like Highland is there. I, I think Dr. I think Gold I think the Mount Verde plays example. Which, you know, example, I think, is one of the schools you would say would not be ranked. But Well, it depends. Some, some polls are putting them in. I mean, Barry Bradford, who runs example, does a very good job. Uh, you could just argue how much of a school it is. Or yeah. is it a school? I mean, it's, it's an academy. They do online learning. Uh, the NCAA recognizes them. It, it's debate. I mean, I would say it's debatable, and they have an argument to say, hey, we, how are we different than other schools that are doing online learning? Yeah. So, uh, you know, but they, as a basketball program, they do a terrific job. Uh, they had a terrific year last year. Who, have, they, have they added anybody? I know they had, did this, is, who, who is their best player at example now? I don't really know. They brought in, I think, uh, they graduated a fleet of kids, and I have and I really haven't checked their roster. Uh, they've got new kids. I think they, they put about five or six kids into Division One last year. They were very happy to see you. Yeah. I'm told they got a new crew. Uh, I know they have a young guard who I think is a freshman this year. was a good player. I don't remember her name, but I, I saw her in the middle school ranks. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, I'm told they're going to be good. I mean, whether they'll be as good as last year, you know, remains to be seen. That's why they play the games. Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting year in Florida because I think you have – four teams that are not, you know, federation teams really that could be ranked and, and you know, Mount Verde IMG and then even DME and, and Central Point, um, both of them. Yes, I, I, yes I, I've heard Florida, Florida's kind of a land two, a land of two worlds. Uh, the top, people talk about the strength of Florida, but a lot of it is really isn't Florida. A lot of the kids who are at Montford, IMG, DME, and, Central Point are really from elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, and they, as a matter of fact, I think, and, and you would know this, Kenny, because there's actually a couple of different awards that are given out for Player of the Year. I think this was called the the. Uh, it's who this one? Uh, well, that, it's there's uh, two. There's two. There's there's the Gatorade Player of the Year, and I the, go to anyone. And and then there is the um, the Dairy Farmers. And award. That's the one I was thinking. Of. Dairy Farmers is strictly to. A, a state federation, state Now, Correct. I, I don't know. I think I, I'm wondering if Mount. I thought Mount Verde might have had somebody, but I could be wrong. But I, I think that you know, obviously, you know, Talia Scott got both last year. She's also a 
good start, by the way. I checked her stats in Arkansas. She's been tearing it up. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, that's the other thing is like, is this freshman class has been un- unbelievable the first week of the season in college too? And I think part of it is coaches know if they don't play these kids, they're going to be gone by Christmas. Well, I, I think you know some of this is you know some of this is may surprise some people. I'll give our friends over at ESPN Hoop Girls some some prop credit. Uh, they had identified as three of the top five players in the class as Juju Watkins, uh, Michaela Williams and Hannah Hidalgo, yep. and they are all just kicking butt in college. I just watched Hannah tonight. You just storm over Northwest, and I don't know what the final was. It was kind of ending about the time I got together with you, but they were way ahead, and she had put on an incredible show. Um, what do you, what and, do you uh, think it's going to be like when her and Miles get back together? That, it's, that's interesting. I, I was thinking about that myself in watching the game. I would think they might play Miles at the one. I don't know if Miles shoots it as well as Hannah. I mean, Hannah was knocking down threes really well tonight. Uh, but either one is certainly capable of playing the one. Uh, I think it will cause some change in, in what they do. Uh, their problem really is can they hold the middle together satisfactory enough against the top teams? They have uh-huh. a lot of really good players. There was an injury tonight. I don't, hopefully it wasn't serious. Sonia Citron, uh, their star forward, was carried off the court, but oh. they, they, she couldn't make it to the locker room on her own. I, I couldn't see what it was. I assume it was something in the lower extremities. But if she's out or lost for the year or a good portion out, she's right now there. Hannah Hidalgo's their best player, and for the early games, it's been, Sonia's been their second best player. Well, it's it's... You know, it's strange is they really need that third player to show up and then, like you said, defend the interior and rebound. Because against South Carolina, they were there for a minute, and then Hannah looked around and was like, hey, nobody else is scoring except for me. Yeah, I mean, well, South Carolina just, uh, as I say, I, I really enjoy watching them this year because they can get you so many ways. They're deep. The, the basketball IQ in the back is strong. Uh, they can shoot it really well. In the past, you just would, would zone them and hope. Uh, and they still have, they still can kill you inside. I mean, they've got, you know, a, a potential top five pick in, in Camilla Cardoso at center. Chloe Kitts, you know, had a, had a double-double in her last game, you know, playing this year, you know, getting last year. She just got spot minutes. Uh, and she did a nice job on the national I think she was on the 19th, yeah. I remember. And her and she was one of the better players. Uh, and, uh, you know, she decided, she kind of like fell off the radar because uh, I, I, she was kind of ticketed to be a McDonald's All-American last year out of Florida. And then she decided not to play her senior year and enrolled early and gave up, a, you know, and started playing right away. And it's working out so far in her second year. She's a significant player for them. So last year, you know, like, I mean, I think we all knew LSU was good. I don't think anybody thought they were going to win the national title. And, and you know, Iowa kind of like we all knew Caitlin Clark was good. We didn't know they'd be in the national title game and beat South Carolina. Like, who's a sleeper team that you kind of like? I got one or two, but like. like actually, I, I got odds. Actually, I, I, I went to somebody and I got odds on teams. I guess we can discuss this. This is legal now. Yes. To discuss the odds. Uh, according the odds right now. Uh, the favorites, according to the odds makers, as of this morning, 
They still like Connecticut. They still like LSU. South Carolina has moved way up. They seem to be the three who, as they say, the Vegas odds people are pinning their hopes on. Um, I think, you know, from what I can gather, I have not seen UCLA in there. They have a very, their odds right now are like 14 or 15 to 1. But people who have seen them told me they got a chance. You know, that supposedly Lauren Betts, who did not have a, a, a super year, as the, you know, she was the, the top, you know, according to Hoop Girls, their number one player in the class. And she kind of struggled to an extent at Stanford. But supposedly she's really looking good at UCLA. And, you know, and Kiki Rice is, is there as well. Oh, man. And then Kar- Karishma Osborne opted to come back an extra year, too, right? Right. And, and so they've got, a, and they've got this play, and I don't even remember her name. She's German. People who watch them say she's, and she may not be a WNBA player, but she'll have a nice career in Europe. Is that like the kid that's from the Chicago area? Or is she actually? No, the, the player I mentioned is from Germany. Oh, okay. Because I, I knew there was something. But she's a tall kid who can face up like a lot of the Euros. Uh, but some of these odds of, of uh, some of these people uh, have been dropping, and I just I, let me put it this way: if, if Iowa won the national title, uh, they need to build a statue on. They may do it anyway in front of the arena to Kayla Clark, because I, they just I just don't know if they have enough around her. I think I think the same run that they did last year. I thought I thought you know in the Big Ten that I thought I, I was mistaken. I thought Ohio State would be the best team in the Big Ten. But, you know, Celeste Taylor and, and um, Shelton kind of both need the ball, and they're missing the shooting from Mike Soul. And so I think that Iowa's still going to be the best team in the Big Ten. Um, I don't know who, who, who would be. Sometimes these things have to kind of, you know, like one of the things that we as Americans are is not patient. Yeah. And you just have to kind of give it a few more games and see how it all goes. Stanford, Stanford looked very good in, in – uh, uh, who did they take? Did they Indiana, uh, right? Who did they? They took out somebody that was good. Who was that? Indiana, right? Indiana, right? That was and uh, yeah, Indi- Indiana lost. Indiana, Indiana lost so one of the favorites, but they have a nice team. Indiana lost so much in all their guard play, right? Well, yeah, they they, they still got Mackenzie Holmes, who's sort of an undersized interior player. But they, they've, they've had to, some of the reserves have had to step up, and I think maybe they've gotten a transfer or two. So, you know, again, they have to meld it together, and time will tell. Um, you know, uh, you know I, I'd say if you like long odds on somebody, use USC, Southern Cal is 75. Some, they're any, I think they're up to 30 to 1 now, maybe. For the national championship or for the Final Four? What? For the national championship or the Final Four? Win. You know that's still mm-hmm. a lot to ask. Uh, what about? I mean, how how if if USC keeps winning, right? And I was worried because they they beat Ohio State and then they played Florida Gulf Coast, and we know what ha- could happen there. But they ended up beating Florida Gulf Coast by twenty. Like, how is ESPN going to get them on TV later in the year, playing so late? Yeah, they look at. I mean, these, these people have a way of doing this. You know, they, they, they'll get their run through, you know, you know, I, I think once they, they realize certain teams are good, they sometimes manage to, to, to do what they have to do to get, get some extra run on these people. I mean, Caitlin Clark, I mean, 
I mean, I think people, if you can get, not that I think you should if you're a basketball fan, but you're going to get a heavy dose of Caitlin Clark this year, and you're going to get a heavy dose of Cage Packers. I mean, those players bring ratings, and ESPN is going to get them on. I think, they, I think they're both on tomorrow night. I think Connecticut hosts Maryland, and Iowa is playing, I'm not sure whom, but I think they're the, they're the game after that. So, well, I could. I was. I mean, I was going to be on on ESPN a whole lot. And well, they look at Clark brings ratings. Uh, I thought kids. I thought kids dressed up at Halloween. Draft is going to have their season ticket sales up. I mean, you, you, you. Some people are aware of this. Others may not be. They had over fifty thousand people <laughs> in. I think it's called Stadium. That's their football field to watch an exhibition game when they played the Paul. That's unbelievable for for an exhibition women's basketball. Well, I, I was telling I was telling you that I, I you know again I have young kids, but there's kids with Halloween costumes of Caitlin Clark now. It's unbelievable. Well, she's I, I live here in uh, small town Georgia, where I'm talking to you from. Yeah, people know about her there. A, a baseball player who was working in the supermarket, and we got talking. Was taking my stuff out to the car for me. I'm older, and I had some heavy stuff and. So I, I just asked myself, well, have you heard of Caitlin Clark? He said, oh, yeah, she's really good. This is a baseball player who's in an NAIA school in South Georgia. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's, you know, she's, she's one of the most recognized names in college sports. I think if Beckers had stayed healthy, she might be right there with her, but she's taken a couple of years off due to injury. So uh, were, you, were you at Florida State, Tennessee, or no? No, I watched it on, I mean, it was back and forth, up and down, and, uh, you know, it, you know it, is, is Florida State, is, that could have gone, it was a, I, I described Florida State as they won a coin flip, yeah. it came down to the last shot. But they won, um, they won. And, and, but here's my question is, you know, Tennessee, you know, it, you know, how good is Florida State really, Tennessee comes out and plays Memphis, although it be without Ricky or Jackson and gets taken to overtime, are are these teams like potential Sweet 16 teams or no, you think? Again, you got to wait. You know, we want to rush to judgment based on a couple of games. Teams sometimes don't have, you know, they aren't together enough. They have to get more familiar with each other. You just, you got to let the season play out. We like to, you know, we, we can right now say, well, these teams look better. I mean, you look at the national rankings and you see the amazing shuffle from the preseason, I think someone said that this is the first time in quite a few years that the top two ranked teams preseason lost. All the favorites lost. Ohio yeah, State Ohio State lost. Um, Connecticut lost. Uh, well, LSU. You, you, you could say, you know, I, they always want to say this, but I don't always think it's true. There may just be more parity in the game this year. We'll just have to let it play out. And, of course, the other thing that people don't want to discuss, but the big, ugly spectrum of the injury, you, know, you lose a kid. I mean, uh, you know, if, if a key player is gone for the year, it can change everything. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's, well, look, at Connecticut lost Beckers, and they weren't, but they had other injuries as well. Well, they lost, they lost, like, they had, like, no Beckers and no Fudd at one point. Well, they had no, a lot of things. I think they, I think they, they had, they were almost out of players at some point. They were limping to the finish line. I, I, this has happened every now. If you coach long enough in Division One, the 
the way things are, you'll probably have at some point one year where you're challenged just to get through the season because so many kids get hurt. Um, I'm not sure why it happens, but we know I, I've always said that uh, one of my sad jokes is having two uh, knee surgeons on the golf course kind of like lamenting there wasn't business. And then one of them looks at their watch and said, ah, but the women's basketball season starts next week. And they both get very excited because they know business will be picking up shortly. I mean, it's just sadly how it is. There's a lot of ACLs and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, and that, that just changes the equation. And it's really sad, but it's, it's part of it. And the WNBA surviving injuries is, is as much as, anything else to winning a championship. Gotcha. Well, so we're, we're at the hour mark now. I know we didn't talk about all the NIL and stuff, but I, you know, I, I, can, I, I can do that. Another yeah. Time. I want to kind of check in with you. Back. I hope, uh, yeah. I want to come check in with you out of this and that we, we hit a lot of uh, high points for sure. And we can check in every, every week or two and, you know, kind of like give an instant reaction to some of the games. And, and I think there's a bunch of these really quality tournaments next week over the Thanksgiving. So some of this is yeah, going to sort itself out. It's like it's like it's like people. If you, like once you get to mid, like after the first week in January, you're kind of pers- trying to preserve yourself or waiting for somebody to lose. Yeah, I mean you know the, the rankings nationally change a lot between now and early January, and then there may be one other burst around the MLK events, and then after that, really not much happens until people get deep in their state tournaments. So you're are you going you're going to Jacksonville? Where else are you going this year? Naples done? There's no more tournament? I really don't know. I've gone online and, and there doesn't seem, at last I checked, there was no information on the website uh, about the event. Last year was canceled due to hurricane issues, yeah. and I just don't know if they're bringing it back. Gotcha. 
All right. Well, we're going to say goodbye to everybody tonight. I'm actually watching the overtime between UTSA and uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi missed a free throw to win it, and we're in overtime. But uh, we'll get this posted here hopefully on uh, Thursday morning, and, and hopefully we can uh, continue on. Thanks, Bob. Can you have a good night?